Happy holidays, and welcome to the Naked Truth Real Talk about West Coast Swing. My name is Eric Jacobson, and we are back with a special episode about this year's Open. Before we get into the show, I want to first thank all of our listeners for your support and your patience during the hiatus and the transition. As most of you know, Deborah left the show in October, and I needed some time to both settle into my new home in Minnesota and think about how to continue doing the show without Deborah. Deborah is an icon and a legend with a fiery passion for this dance and immeasurable love for the people in our community. She brought that love and that passion and an incredible wealth of knowledge, wisdom, experience, and perspective to this show. I can't thank her enough for an awesome year of starting, doing, and growing this show. I'm saddened by her decision to move on, but I only wish her the best in her endeavors moving forward. But I was left with this question, how do I keep doing this? How do I keep making an interesting, stimulating, entertaining, informative podcast week after week? And after some thought and reflection and thinking about what makes this show what it is, I think I found an answer, the mission. See, Deborah and I started this podcast to get people talking about our dance and our community and the issues that affect us. We wanted people to connect and relate and to feel okay talking openly about the things that we so often talk about behind closed doors or think to ourselves but never actually say aloud. And as we did this show, it became more about that dialogue and the power of open, compassionate discourse, the power to transform ourselves and our own perspectives, and the power to get people thinking about the kind of change they might like to see in our community. And so, I'd like to continue with our mission of fostering more open dialogue and compassionate discourse within our community, with the hope of not only spurring more personal connections, but also improving our experience as West Coast swing dancers. To that end, I plan on continuing to chat with pros of the past and present to learn from their experience, but I also want to chat about things like community and competition, our history and the dance as it is today, our music and other influences, and the dance as it exists in different parts of the world. I want to continue exploring topics like psychology and sociology, learning and teaching, competing and performing. I also want to shine a light on different issues we grapple with as a community, diversity and inclusion, safety and consent, power and influence and the role we all play in shaping our own experience and the experience of those around us in this community. For now, I have a special episode on the open, but I'll be back in the new year with all new episodes with a range of guests and a wide variety of topics. I hope you'll all keep listening and discuss the episodes with others and share your feedback with me. I am so, so grateful for you, our listeners, and all of your support and engagement. If there's ever anything I can do to improve the show or your listening experience, please let me know. In the meantime, I'll do my best to keep putting forth episodes that stimulate and entertain and educate for as long as you keep listening. Today, I have a supersized episode for you. I know we were on hiatus, but come on, how could The Naked Truth not do an episode about the open? And to join me for this conversation, I invited a champion-level dancer, an incredible talent, an all-around awesome guy, and a friend of the show to join me, Mr. Christopher Dumond. Chris talked with me about his experience at the Open and how he prepared himself and his routine with Chantel. 
We chatted about the showcase and classic divisions quite a bit, from the different routines to how people place to even the costumes. And of course, it wouldn't be a complete discussion without talking about, that's right, swing content and how swing content was judged this year. Chris was open and insightful and funny, and I just really enjoyed chatting with him, so much so that the one-hour-long conversation I planned ended up being closer to two hours. Anyway, I figured this episode can keep you busy through the holidays until I return in January with more episodes. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Chris Dumond. Christopher Dumond, welcome back to the show. How's it going? Thanks for having me. I'm doing fantastic. Yeah. You just went to the open and then tap and dealing yes. with finals. Yes. So you must be burning the candle, as they say. Uh, slightly. Yeah. It was <laughs> it, it was very interesting having to juggle school and, and um, tap and everything, doing the music stuff there and also doing the routine at the open. It was, it was a lot, but... Um, still was able to handle it, which I'm impressed with myself because usually I can't handle more than one thing at <laughs> once. So excellent. Well, yeah. <laughs> now that it's been over a week, um, mm -hmm. had some time to get some distance from the open. How was the weekend for you overall? I loved it. Yeah. It, I, and the thing that was interesting is I was telling a bunch of the competitors while I was there that they were like, you know, like, how are you doing? How are you feeling? Sort of situation. I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but, mm -hmm. um, it was more of like, I actually don't feel nervous at all. That's awesome. And it, and it was the first time that I ever felt that way. And just sort of seeing everyone being super stressed out. I was just like, man, I'm, I'm just, I'm chilling. I'm enjoying <laughs> this. And not to say that they aren't, but it was just, it was a different sort of experience for me um, two years in a row, because last year not doing it, then this year coming back to it, it was mm -hmm. just nothing like the previous years where I was really stressed about it. I think something, um, I think the thing that had affected that was debuting before the Open. Mm-hmm was being able to just sort of get it out on the floor, get those jitters out. Right. And then come to the open. Yeah. I think that was a big part of it was like, no, like I know the routine. I, we aren't making changes. Like we perform it well. It's, it's good. Like we feel like we're in a good place and that's, that's about it. Yeah. It, I remember yeah. when people used to debut, I mean, Jordan and Tatiana used to do that too. You start at the top of the nasty tour in February and like hone your routine over the course of the year in front of an audience. Yeah. And then, you know, U.S. Open was the end of the tour, not the beginning or debut. Right. Um, which I would imagine kind of to what you were saying probably gives you a little more confidence going in. Um, yeah. Just because you're more comfortable with the, the routine on the floor. 100%. And what was actually interesting is I pointed this out and um, some people noticed, but others didn't, is this is, I think one of the first opens that I've experienced that had the same routine for every competitor, both in prelims and finals. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was no like someone doing an old routine and then debuting their new routine in finals. It was everyone um, either debuted or extended their season. So that way they can start doing the Jordan and Tot thing. Right. Um, so it, it, it was interesting. I was like, 
this is awesome because that's one of the things that I just, I didn't understand. And I always got super stressed about mm-hmm. is like working on a new routine and then trying to be at open level right. performance for another routine. And then six hours later, perform the new routine. Right. Without knowing anything about how it's going to be received or. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's a lot of pressure. I mean, kudos to those who put new routines out on the floor because there were several, especially in showcase. Um, Oh yeah. It's, it's amazing that people are able to push through uh, and put something out there without having road tested it really. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. Um, 100. Yeah. So how did you feel about putting your routine on the floor at the open? I mean, you'd had a couple of runs, right? You did swingtacular and um, boogie. And then I think you did sea to sky too. Yes. Yeah. So how did it feel? I mean, how did it feel in prelims? How did it feel in finals? So what was interesting is I'll sort of do like a little like checkerboard of, of all of the different times that we did it. Um, swingtacular, the feeling beforehand felt like the old open for me. Cause it was new. Whereas it was new. The, no one, no one knew that it was happening except for like a handful of people. Mm-hmm. So like the event didn't advertise like, Oh yeah, Chantel and Chris are debuting their new routine. It was just kind of like, we knew going forward, uh, like ahead of time, we, we talked to Ben and cameo and they were like, they were really strict on the parameters. They were like, okay, either it's a um, competitive piece, current competitive piece to uh, a cover, um, an old piece, uh, I think like an older piece slash show piece, or uh, like a debut of a brand new routine. And mm-hmm. we fell under that one, right. that category. And um, I was like, it'll be perfect. It'll just be a show. It won't be the stress of competition as well. It's just more of like, let's go out there and just have fun. And um, I think we had like two months prep, something like that beforehand. And we did it and that was the jitters and we did the thing and everyone like lost their minds, which was unexpected. (laughs) I think that's, I think that's the thing though, is like whenever you're, in your own project, you're like, ah, like I'm numb, numb to all of the things and think that most of the stuff is quote unquote easy mm-hmm. per se. Cause it's just, you just do it all the time. Right. So it becomes easier as it goes along. Cause when I first got it, like I wasn't able to do like the plank thing mm-hmm. in my, in my routine. I was struggling I was so hard, but now it's like a walk in the park mm-hmm. just because we've practiced it so much. Um, so the physical exhaustion isn't there, but like there, that was awesome. Then we went to boogie did pretty much the exact same routine with minor changes. And we got an SV one from three of the judges that were going to be at the open. Oh wow! So we got an SV one from, uh, Lindo, Kelly and Yvonne. And Lindo and Kelly being two of the swing content judges. Yep. Yep. And, um, what was really, and like, I, I did this whole post thing that some people may have read, but like, I talked to Kelly about it and she really sort of shed some light of like why 
this is this and that sort of thing on on how they're implementing stuff and and trying to use the app as more of like a feedback tool mm-hmm. sort of situation and um so after doing that like i i went and i clocked um our boogie routine at 60 percent mm-hmm. so Chantel and I worked like our goal was to get a warning. That was okay. our goal. Um, because we just really, really wanted to push the envelope. Right. And um, really walk that fine line. And we walked that fine line just slightly on the other side. Cause at the open, uh, the average score that we got uh, out of the three was 72%. Mm-hmm. So, um, which I'm like at, at its height, um, because we got a, you're going to get a slightly different score between prelims and finals. And some people, it was the difference between getting an SV one and a warning hmm. in either one. So that happened to two couples, which we can talk about in a second, yeah. but, um, <laughs> uh, like I got almost, almost like we almost got a warning. Like we were like 74% and 75% that warning. Mm-hmm. And Yeah. So it was, it was just, it was, it's unfortunate, but it's like, that's where, like, we knew that we were going to walk that line and, and it's not about getting the SV1 as far as this, this app is concerned. It's more of like, I, I legit changed my routine because I would have just kept it how it was right. if I didn't know. Cause usually if it's like, oh, I get a, you know, swing content warning, whatever, or, or, or SV1 in within the normal um judging system right vice the open it's like ah whatever but if you have those three th- three you know swing content judges give you an sv1 then right. you drop a placement where it's not an individual score anymore which i think has the individual score has less power than those three judges now right absolutely so what changes did you make and what was that like that led you to that Facebook post where you said you really actually enjoyed adding more of that swing content? I think, I think the thing was, is just sort of sharing personal experience. It just, it's what led, because I saw all the negativity behind the, the changes, especially when they put out, this is what swing content is. This is what is not considered mm-hmm. swing content. And the changes that we made were definitely calculated. Like all we did was on certain sections, just add a walk, walk prep linearly mm-hmm. and then have like two turns before having another tension moment to then another few turns, but it's all trying to stay within that linear space. So that way it's considered to be swing content, which Mm -hmm. I think it is because I, I could do that social dancing. Um, and, um, yeah, so it was just, we changed a lot of the front half because we felt like the front half, we tried our wow moments, but we didn't really have a lot of wow moments. Right. that were received. So we're like, those are expendable. So we kept in our two really big moments 
and our ending. Those were the things that we really didn't want to touch. But we switched around certain things, just really adding leverage or adding a slot and that sort of thing. And even at the open, we were talking about like, how can we make this slot more distinct? Because we had a lot of slot change. We had one where it's like, here's a diagonal and mid pattern, it switches to being flat Mm -hmm. for the next movement. And it's just, how can we make that more distinct? And we, we gave it our best shot, but that's, that's basically what we did is we just, we're like, okay, what can we take out and what can we still capture creatively like within the thing? Because what I said, you know, in that post was, I think people just think, oh, I have to put more swing in. So I just have to put in more basics Mm -hmm. and it's not the case. Mm. And from what I've, you know, calculated on my own with, with stuff, like I thought that I was lenient, but apparently I am, I am not in comparison to even the U S open judges. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I try and think of myself as like being progressive and like, okay, yeah, let's, let's, we'll give that to them, that sort of thing. And still I was like 10%, even 15% lower than some of the U S open judges scores. Yeah. Which is interesting because I was like, I need to now check myself and be like, okay, what are they seeing that I'm not? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, like it was just, I felt like, people needed to hear that so that way they didn't they they weren't as stressed or like even Jakub and Emmeline were super stressed about it the weekend before because I was with them in France Mm -hmm. um doing a gig and they were just they were stressed about it and look at them they placed fourth right you know what I mean so it's like even people that place top five were stressed about this till the open and at the open right so it was just i was trying to shed some light of like this felt better for me it felt like we were more connected together in the performance and through the physical stuff yeah and that's really cool like i i love that you not only in your post talked about um again a positive message an example of not being afraid of the the swing content but that you felt better about your routine because of that Right. Yeah. That was, that was the big thing is like, I didn't expect it. So Mm -hmm. I was, I was even like taken aback by it. Like when we, when we practiced, I believe it was at Halloween swing thing where we made all of the really big changes to the routine. Cause that was our goal is that weekend. We just made all the changes. And then the weekend after we would um, work on all the changes Mm -hmm. and it was just, it felt so much better because it felt like there was a push and a pull between the two of us. There was no disconnect. Um, it just felt, it just felt better. Like, I, I don't know. How, I don't know how else to say it. It just it felt better. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's just, it's, um, it, it gets to, I think what, uh, we had Robert Royston on the show, mm-hmm. um, a while back talking about how, that that feeling the the swing feeling was always the heart of routines it wasn't about cramming swing content into in between moments 
right? It's like right. the swing, the partner dancing feels good and it looks good. And then you can, you can add your moments to that. Um, so it's, you know, I think maybe that's just an older generation philosophy because I think things are a little yeah. different now, but um, the idea was that the partnership felt good. And if it felt good, it was going to look good. It was going to be a good show. And I think we still well, feel that yeah. way about Jack and Jill's and Strictly's, yeah. right? Which nobody really is, at least <laughs> not many people are questioning swing content in those things for the most part. Like we see that good playing yeah. and it's really entertaining uh, because yeah. people are connected. Yeah. 100%. So, um, by the way, I wanted to go back to the, the debut at Swingtacular because yes, you, you know, you said you were nervous. You hadn't put it on the floor before, but you guys must've known you had something special. I mean, your routine is unlike anything that is currently out there and anything at least that I've seen in recent years um, in terms of the mood and the, the drama of it. It's very different emotionally. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it was just the motivation of behind the routine, right? Where it's like, you know, Chantel has her main partner mm-hmm. and, and Dylan doing showcase and that sort of thing. And their and their professional partnership and that sort of sitch. And I really just was like, I'm trying to still get gigs and whatnot. And I, I just want to dance. Mm-hmm. I just came down to it like, you know, I was I was searching to try and find, you know, that like, oh, let's like build a business partnership sort of thing. And and I was just like, you know what? I what is what is the thing that I want to do most? And that's that's just I want to dance. And Chantel and I uh, found the song, the uh, decided sorry decided on the song the night before we were meeting with Benji. Hmm. Like we were just we were gonna go the swing route, like the more classic swing route. Right. And we were like, oh, like we really like this one song, and we might end up using it in the future. Um. But we were just like, ah, oh, it, it needs a little something more. And then, and then I brought up uh, Zanny, which is mm-hmm. also a Billy Billy Eilish song, and because it has that really nice like slow like swung feel with the um, like the brush sticks for the drums instead of I don't know what they're called I can't remember, but <laughs> instead of like the normal wood sticks, right. it's like the brush sticks. Anyways, um, and then we're like, well, what like what about this one? And so I cut it really quick and we were like, yeah, I guess we're doing it. And it was just, she really wanted to push herself to be something different Mm -hmm. than what the community is, you know, has, has viewed her as, is, you know, like kind of like a pretty ballerina, you know, you're really trained, that sort of thing, which I still think plays through here, but like she really wanted to put on a character Mm-hmm. and um i just i just wanted to dance and i always have found myself um t- more towards the dark stuff right i just i i don't know i've it, i think it's probably just cuz like i've experienced things like that personally where i've like gone down super super dark paths with depression and all that stuff and then it's it's easy to tap into to play that character, right. um, even though I've I feel like I'm a fairly jolly happy person uh, now. Um, 
<laughs> but it's just like I really like playing weird, dark characters, <laughs> and um, just I've been really drawn to Billie Eilish as an artist and her visuals in her music videos, <laughs> and that was the inspiration for the makeup. Was you know what? Let's just do makeup and um, let's mess like mess it up when we dance, right? And just go a little weird with it. So that yeah, it was just swing tech. I I did not know what I had because I was just enjoying it so much. Mm-hmm. That that's the big thing is I really just wanted to do this routine for um myself and Chantal and I as, as just a partnership and friendship. It's yeah. just like, you know what? We're just going to go have a good time and that's it. Well, it is, uh, I, I described it online as delightfully creepy. <laughs> like it's, uh, we all watched it. Uh, we were, we, I had a watch party here in Minnesota and of course classic yeah. was on at like midnight. Well, by the time Jordan and Tatiana finished the walk of legends, it was like almost one in the morning. And your routine was in the mix of finals. Um, And we all watched it. And we were glad you weren't last. (laughs) Because nobody wanted to like drive home after watching your routine. Um, In the dark, in the cold dark. But at the same time, uh, when it's sunny out, I I will watch your routine many times. Um, It's it's delightfully (laughs) creepy. (laughs) Like, Thank you. I've watched it many, many times. Um, And... uh, yeah, and you guys made finals with it. Not surprising at all. I I was I was sweating bullets. Let me just. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes. Well, just because like we didn't submit our video, mm-hmm. all we had to base on our our stuff on was boogie, right? And you know, especially with you know us doing that out there, kind of piece like usually people don't aren't really receptive to it like Mm -hmm. we knew that people enjoyed the routine as an audience right but we really didn't know because it was a really mixed bag at boogie Mm. because we basically did two shows and one competition before and boogie was the only one that we did and it was like we had like two firsts and two elevenths (laughs) like split that's really (laughs) interesting like completely opposite and we're like Okay, what are we, what's going to happen? Yeah. And um and yeah, and that was yeah. <laughs> well, and you at Boogie, not all of the competitors who go to the US Open are there, but a lot of them are, and you guys Yes. Did you guys place? I I can't remember where we placed. I think we got I don't want to say higher than I think that we got. <laughs> uh I thought you got 4th or 5th. Yeah, I feel like it was fourth. I I honestly can't remember, but it was just like we were. I, at least I was sweating. I don't know about Chantel um, beforehand. Like we talked a little bit um, about things and stuff, uh, you know, after after prelims and 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 after finals as well. But it was just like I was I was sweating a lot. <laughs> when, it, when it came to be just because of the swing content thing, like even though we added in, cause like luckily we were able to calculate it pretty easily um, because our song is 120 beats per minute. Mm-hmm. So we knew that we needed at least 
to add 15% more swing, we needed about 30 counts of recognizable swing. Right. And clearly we need like basically an eight count pattern and then we're in the clear. <laughs> like, I mean, it, it just it's comes down to math. It's yeah. all math. Like, especially when we got a song that's 120 beats per minute, it makes our math way easier. Right. But yeah, it was sense. just, yeah, we just need eight more counts and then we'll be good for the future. So speaking of all of that, let's turn our attention to the open. Um, yeah. Because there were some incredible routines. Like you said, a lot of people um, did their new routine or whatever routine they were going to do in prelims. Some people did the yeah. same routine as they yes. did last year. Uh, let's start with Showcase because it was Friday night. Yeah, let's do that. What stood out to you in Showcase? Um, or what did you think of the division overall? I think the division was really diverse. Yes, I would say that about pretty much all of the routines this year. Yeah, like there was it, was, it was really, diversity. really diverse. Yeah, music, um, costumes, types of routines. Yeah. And of course, like, Showcase had two same-gender couples. Yes, yes. Yeah, um, that, that was awesome to see. And I was... Um, like I didn't know who was all who all was in it until I got to see the program. Mm-hmm. Um, like I knew a few people. Like I knew um, Samantha and, and Lauren were in there because um, I helped them a little bit with their music. Um, but and then Tebow and Nicole and Miles and Tessa. But like aside from like more or less the normal ish names, I didn't really know who was going to be in it. Mm. Um. But, uh, yeah, I really liked Tebow and Nicole's routine. Yeah, it was stunning. It was really awesome. And the fact that, you know, it's essentially like, I feel like, um, some people might think it's like, it's a, it was a, like, prove yourself kind of year for, for both of them. Cause mm-hmm. it's like, okay, Benji's retired. Um, some naysayers said that, you know, Nicole only won because Benji, that sort of thing. Mm. It's just cause like he's one with so many different partners. It's right. like, oh, it's, you know, it's Benji. So that's, that's why. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then with Tebow essentially trying to also be that other 50% to Nicole and coming into showcase without, I don't think he has done that before. I think he only did mm-hmm. a classic before. Yeah, that's correct. Last but, year. Yeah. So like with 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 all of those parameters just trying to do it and like they worked. I have heard from multiple people that they worked their butts off in order to make this happen. Yeah. And and it showed like they oh, did yeah. a really, really, really good job. Yeah, the difficulty, and, the the choreography. It was very impressive. I mean, it was on the level of what Benji was doing with Nicole. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would 100% agree with that. And then I really enjoyed, um, I, th- I can't, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but it's Glenn and Callum. It, Callum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Glenn and Callum. I thought that their performance was super energetic and super entertaining and I really um, enjoyed the fact that they stuck with Lindy the whole time. Yeah. 
That was that was another thing. It's like Lindy hasn't been a part of the open as like a straight up Lindy routine in a really long time. Right. So to see like two things happen at once, like one, a same sex couple and the fact that it was a full blown Lindy routine was just two things that haven't been seen in a really long time. That was really enjoyable to watch. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the critique that their lifts were not on par with what we normally see in showcase? <laughs> Welcome back to the naked truth. Chris. <laughs> yep. So I know, I knew that this was, I knew this was going to happen, but basically, <laughs> basically I feel like I'm going to try and walk a fine line of saying, like, I think that they technically, like the technicality part, mm -hmm. they did everything that they had to. Right. They met the rule requirements. They met the rule requirement. Mm -hmm. I think that the rule will inevitably be changed. Um, I feel like, you know, they'll probably just put the word sustained yeah. <laughs> lift, you know, above uh, I think it's what above the waist, yeah, or shoulders. I think I it. Remember. Well, I think there's a requirement for each, but I don't remember. Yeah, um, but something where it's a sustained lift mm. above, sort of situation. Um, but I mean, it's it's chicken or the egg for me, like mm -hmm. because they met the requirements, so you kind of can't be mad at them because they did what the rule said, right. But then again, it's not what we usually see in showcase. Right. So I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. Because cause I'm like, okay, cool. Like you did an entertaining routine. Awesome. And then, you know, but you didn't do what was normal for showcase that we're used to seeing. Like the, the when I mean normal, I mean what we are used to seeing. Yeah. Well, for me, it's um, it's a matter of level of difficulty, which is mm. only one criterion upon which we judge routines. Right. Right. So in terms of like execution, in terms of swing content, um, in terms mm. of, uh, you know, the choreography and the performance, it was all great. Um, yeah. I think, you know, I, I did notice even watching that, the lifts were not of the same caliber as say Philippe and Floor, Thibaut and Nicole or Miles and Tessa. Yeah. Um, right. It's, it wasn't the same level of difficulty. Um, the other thing that I noticed about the routine and I say all this, like having really enjoyed it. In fact, I watched it a couple more times just cause I really enjoy watching it. Um, yeah. It's not even a lot of partnered swing. Um, in other words, uh, I mean, yes, there's there's Tandem Charleston and there's some swing out and, and Lindy stuff. There's a mm -hmm. lot of like jazz steps that are either separate or holding hands or, you know, in contact in some way to meet that requirement, mm -hmm. um, which is just really interesting to me because I don't feel like West Coast has a lot of, you know, jazz steps or solo steps like we may do jazz, uh, shag footwork and we may do you know side by side footwork we don't right. do that as often as say lindy hoppers might do um, right because it's not as i feel like in lindy things like charleston and solo jazz are a bigger part of their vocabulary and their dance yeah in a way Agreed. that it's not in west coast swing um so anyway it's just kind of interesting that 
I was watching and I felt like I didn't see a lot of, you know, West Coast Swing equivalent of push underarm whip kind of thing. Right. But it was right. still and all that, swing content and it was still partnered. Right. And that, and that was the thing too, is like, there was a, there's a few people like, was, was that enough? And it's kind of like, you're like, well, it's a different it's vocabulary. Different like yeah. you were saying, you know, it's a different genre of swing that we aren't used to seeing. Like we're used to just seeing, cause the, uh, the open is used to seeing West coast swing as like right. the, the, the top tier of things and we see shag right mm-hmm. you know but like other than those two things we're not used to seeing all of these things at a you know higher difficulty you know professional level right we're used to seeing them a world of not used to seeing them that's yeah. <laughs> that's the thing is we're used to just seeing west coast and some shag footwork mm-hmm. at most of these west coast conventions um and then you have crossover events which are like like you have um like Swing Dance America, but they do crossover with Hustle, mm-hmm. and then well, I mean technically the Open's now a crossover event, right? Um, and then you know you have uh, Grand Nationals, right. which is heavily Shag, heavily West Coast combined together. Um, Boston, Boston Tea, Tea Party, Party. Or, yeah, yeah. You know you have all these different crossover events, but the main meat that we you know eat the main plate that we eat from is west coast right and lindy and shag don't view the u.s open the way west coast swing does they don't Mm -hmm. see it as their pinnacle event the way west coast swing does you know they have they have ilhc and they have you know the um shag has their own championships so it's just a different kind of animal so yeah it, it was interesting just to see um how that fared um yeah. Of course, they ended up placing third in part because Miles and Tessa, um, who would have placed second, yes. had an SV3. And Correct. Um, that means that they had 49% or less swing content and therefore were dropped 10 in placement. So Placements. they placed 11th, which is huge. <laughs> is, I mean, that is brutal. Yeah. And the, the other thing, too, looking at that, um, when they didn't place, uh, and I looked at the scores, and I saw what happened to them, I also looked at the swing content, and there is no SV2. Right. There's an SV1 That's the weird thing. of like 4%. There's a swing warning from 55% to 59, the requirement for showcase being 60. And then uh-huh. 50 to 54 is an SV1, and then anything else, you get dropped 10 placements. Which I'm... Um... Um, especially like if I, if I'm misquoting, like I will, I will gladly take the blame for it. But from my understanding, what I have heard, not firsthand, but mm-hmm. secondhand is that they were 49, uh, sorry, 48%. Oh man. Are you kidding? Yes. That's absurd. <laughs> so, th- so like that's, that is my understanding. That's is that is correct. what I have heard from not the U.S. Open judges or right. any affiliation with the U.S. Open. It is people that have heard or have looked at the showcase scores in a glance, mm-hmm. and they saw those. Wow. So that is my understanding is that it was 48%. Now, if we say hypothetically that that is true, and you get dropped 10 placements 
because it's a 2% difference. That's just brutal. <laughs> well, and it's also, it's not just the 2%. It's because the way the swings uh, content scores are used, if two scores are different, only one score is really used, the one that's closer to the chief judge's score. So conceivably, if two people had two different scores, the 48 might have just been the closer one to the chief judge, and that was what they went with. You know what I mean? Like, it's not even mm-hmm. a, a group of judges agreeing around that. Yeah. And and the thing is, it's like, um, I heard that they they reviewed, they reviewed it over three times mm-hmm. with multiple different um, judges to just check and see. And most everyone was, I think, in the high 40s. I mean, like mid, it's, mid to it's, high 40s. Uh, I would feel better knowing that they did take the time to review it and do that. Um, yeah, it's still a harsh penalty. Um, given that yeah. they were less than you know, they're only like a little more than ten percent under the requirement. Um, whereas you know, yeah. in in classic, that's just an SV two, and you know, at, at right worst, and that's that, so like basically, and if they were to get an SV two in that right they would have dropped to fifth place right but they would have still placed top five yeah they would have been top five but they were dropped you know from second place to fifth so yeah yeah. the other thing about that uh placement that was hard to swallow or it's hard to swallow but also made me think which is first of all it was stunning like Mm. the routine was incredible and yes they made some changes that might have dropped their swing content but right they nailed it like it was a beautiful yeah. routine their lifts were really hard and they did really well with them um yeah it was just a, a, a really amazing performance and i mean the judges agreed the, the primary judges they had them place. Yeah. almost all of them gave them second place behind uh tebow and nicole um yeah. the other thing too is they danced to a blues song and so if they did this beautiful interpretation of a blues song mm-hmm. and that's not swing <laughs> or enough right. swing, you know, either they had too many lifts or we have a problem with like how we define swing content. I think it was, I mean, like I, I went in and I did like my, my whole thing. Cause I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, I thought, cause like my gut check was like, I thought that they had plenty mm-hmm. and, um, you know how I said earlier where like I'm 10, 15% lower than usual. Right. So like, so like, I was like, I was like, there's, there's no way that that is a thing. And like, they have, they have the really, really long lift. And, but the thing yeah. was, is like, they had that same long lift last right. year exactly and it's just they they added in that new lift that might have just been that cherry on top to drop them that three four percent yeah maybe i mean that's the only thing i can really think i mean i i re-watched the video because after we saw the scores i had to watch again to see what what i saw in terms of swing mm-hmm. and granted i can see how it would be under um, watching it again. So I'm like, okay, I get it. But it's just really odd when 
when you're watching people dance to blues and they're dancing to blues, like, you know, obviously Miles and Tessa yeah. swing um, in terms of swing quality and yes. their dance is so grounded in swing, um, both quality and content that it, it's jarring to like have to go back and be like, oh, maybe they didn't have enough whips and passes and pushes or whatever um yeah it's like cognitive dissonance to watch a blues routine that is done so well and then say oh yeah that wasn't enough swing it's uh, it's rough yeah i mean it's, it's also I, I i feel like the message that the u.s open says is if you're under 50 percent, you're not really doing swing like yeah i feel like they've just drawn a line in the sand and said that's not enough and, and it and just I'm sucks like, <laughs> for I'm Miles and like, Tessa. Well, I mean, the thing is, too, is like, I just feel like, yes, I can understand that logic. Mm-hmm. But when you have, like, even my experience where it was like the difference of like two, three percent for myself between prelims and finals. Mm-hmm. Like that could be the difference. Like if I, w- if I hadn't changed my, like, this is all very hypothetical right now. Sure. Is if we go to boogie, if I didn't change my routine with Chantel, mm-hmm. we go to the open and we're at that 60% mark. Like, and if there was no SV2 for classic. Right. And it was just that 60%, we had the 60%. If we dropped legit from 60 to 59%. That's the difference between essentially one placement mm-hmm. and 10. Right. For 1%. And we saw within the current system that my swing content with the same routine. And the thing is, too, is like it is the exact same routine. Even with our little bobble, our little bobble that we had in finals mm-hmm. was during a trick. It right. did not take away from any of the swing content or quality that we did. Mm-hmm. It was all the exact same. And that was the difference between two and 3%. Right. And it was the exact same routine. Yeah. So it's like one placement versus 10. Right. That to me is just like, that's brutal. Yeah. I I understand the logic, but maybe have it where you... I don't know, because it's what you you said 55 to 59 is a warning. Mm-hmm. Uh, 55 to 50 is a one. Yep. Just continue those 5% increments. Right. I mean, yeah, at that point, well, I mean, it's, it's all splitting hairs, right? I mean, I feel like there's... Yeah. Look, there's going to be human error. And granted, if they reviewed it a few times and they still got the same result, you know, what are you going to do about that? Uh, right. Because then you're from like a scientific standpoint, you're getting replicates and you're saying it wasn't just one person's error, but, um, right. It's yeah. It's like you said, it's that the 1%. I mean, I feel like there's gotta be a margin of error (laughs) that should be given. There should should be a little, little buffer, little, a tiny buffer. And so, uh, is it, is it cool if we switch gears to classic? Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've got some, got some information about that. So there's there's three three couples that I in particular want to talk about, not mm-hmm. for their dancing, because all of them were fantastic, but more or less the interesting 
parts of either their journey or their prelim score versus their final score. Mm -hmm. So like Jacob McKenzie um, and uh, Philippe and Hannah both got SV1s in prelims Mm -hmm. and got swing warnings in finals. Right. Effectively, that would have, if they had kept the same score from prelims, that means that Philippe and Hannah would have placed sixth and that means that Jake and Mackenzie would have placed third and Ben and Cameo would have placed second. Yeah. So that is interesting to me that it literally shifts who placed where. And even though it's the exact same routine executed the same prelim final. Right. From my recollection. Yeah. It's like it is very minorly different. And then the third couple was Simeon and Maria mm-hmm. who sent in this routine without changing anything said, you're good. No worries. And then got an SV one in both prelims and finals. Yep. Yep. And it, so, should, it should be noted that all of the top six couples got a swing warning or a swing violation. So yep. one to three got swing warnings. Jakub and Emily got an SV1. So they would have placed third, but they placed fourth. Yep. Um, uh, Philippe and Hannah got a warning. And then Simeon and Maria got a violation. So they dropped to six. Yes. Um, so uh, I don't know. I don't know who sent in videos who didn't. I mean, you said Simeon and Maria did, and they still got a violation. Yep. Jake and Mackenzie do the exact same routine. Suddenly it's different. Um, you know, and I think that's where that, that, that margin of human error comes into effect. Yeah. I feel because like, obviously they were on the buffer zone, right? right? They were probably, their routine is probably, I haven't done a calculation on their routine. So I'm just doing hypotheticals over here is, um, like say they're at 75%. They're the, you know, one time that judge is probably going to like, click swing or not swing mm-hmm. maybe a hair less or longer and that might bump them to 76 or might bump them down to 74 right like that's probably where they were mm-hmm. and for me it it's unfortunate because in theory because there were a few bobbles and mess ups and things like that that happened in finals for classic yeah that you have to continue to do the same calculation mm-hmm. again. But I feel like, because I've talked to a few of the, the swing content judges and, um, and like they're, they already know, like we need to make th- something better for next year. It's obvious. Yeah. Um, but I feel like for me, what you should do is have everyone send in the video of the most recent, routine if you um if you get the goal like you know the thumbs up then you're good you still have the swing content judges at the open doing their calculations Mm -hmm. you will um just go with the video submittal unless they make a mistake or have any changes Mm -hmm. so it's like you get that's I feel like that way you give the competitor the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. It's like, they, 
it's like they did everything right. It's pre-approved. They did all the things. They checked all the boxes. They did the same routine. They executed it well. And then they get dropped all of a sudden. So what if they submit a routine and it's an SV1 on the video? Then it's an SV1. When they perform unle- it. Un- unless they change it. Right. It's I think that I think that's the thing. I mean, it's you like, still need people to review it and make the determination. True, but I feel like it would it would save the competitors so much stress mm. beforehand if you just got a pre approval. It's like, hey, your swing content is good as long as you just put it in the fine print. It's like as long as you do not change it right. and execute it to your highest ability, you are good. Right. We will still have swing content judges there to calculate the swing content. So if a mistake to, were to occur that changes the amount of swing in your routine, that is when you will be, we will go with that or something along those lines. Right. I'm not saying that that'll be like the perfect system, but it, I mean, something has to, because when you have that buffer at the open, it's weird. Yeah. I agree. Uh, I even wonder if uh, an error should be factored into swing content, because that's really what the other judges are looking at, right, in terms of execution. Mm -hmm. Um, So that I feel like that should just affect their their placement as opposed to the swing content. I mean, it would have to be a really long error to affect the swing content, because if you mess up a whip, it's still a whip. It's just not a good one. Right. You know, if you're it's, if you're messing up I, yeah. a trick that's not swing, it's still not swing. It's just not Correct. executed well. Right. So it is interesting. Um, I mean, again, uh, I'm looking at the scores, and only three couples had no warning or violation out of the right. twelve finalists. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is yeah, just really interesting. Um, and you know, there was just some amazing routines. Uh, Gary and Susan. Yeah. You know, watched, saw them perform. I'm like, there we go. That was the winner again. Um, and they had to do that after a music glitch, which, by the way, there were there were a few music glitches this weekend. There were. The yeah. So, like, there was uh, there was them. Uh, there was Cameron and Shelby. Mm-hmm. And I don't. Um... Uh, there was a rising star couple that also had an. Or, um, well, Cameron and Shelby. But I feel like there was a yeah. uh, rising star showcase couple that had. That had a similar thing. Somebody had a glitch. I was just watching it the other day. Um, and then I know P- PJ and um, Adriana um, had had a glitch for Pro-Am as well. Oh, really? Yeah. But the thing is, it's like all of them, like they gave them the option of like, do you want to go at the end? Do you want to go right away? Um, everyone stopped like how they were supposed to. And no one got like, oh, well, you were too far into the routine. Right. Or something like that. Where it was just like, oh, um, and I felt like all of the couples that dealt with that dealt with that really well. Like, I mean, Cameron, Cameron and Shelby came out and, and yeah. they ended up getting second, mm-hmm. you know, and then Gary and Susan winning and being the consistent machines that they are. <laughs> right. I swear. Like, I was like, the, didn't, did they just copy and paste what they did in prelims? <laughs> 
Actually, like, no, because it was a little better. <laughs> like I felt yeah. like they were amped up after the. Oh, oh, the oh the, that's the thing. You know, like it's like it's like now it's like okay, yeah, we're here for you, and it's just it's that camaraderie that we have as a yeah. community. It's like you're like the audience is always rooting for you, mm-hmm. always. And when you have some sort of something like that happen, having just that encouragement is always going to give you a little boost of confidence. Yeah, I feel. Yeah. Um, I I thought there were a lot of stunning performances. It's interesting you mentioned how um, in finals, I felt like the performances for many couples were not as strong as prelims. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Um, I did think Gary and Susan, maybe because of the <laughs> music glitch, were a little more amped up. I mean, they're always um, uh, stunning performers. But I felt like Jake and Mackenzie put on a better show. Um, yep. I can't tell you exactly what it was. It just seemed like it had a little more energy to it. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, I felt just that a, a lot of couples, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's I the energy think I of what prelims. Is. What is it? I, I think, think, I think I know what it is. So it's, I feel like when you're an audience member, you sort of like, oh yeah, there's prelims of the eight, there's finals. Right. But like, let me just take you through my day. <laughs> <laughs> so I watched showcase. In my own right, that's my, I wanted to be there and support um, everyone. So I didn't get to bed until after midnight. Mm-hmm. I woke up at five in the morning to go down for floor trials. And um, then I got my makeup done for prelims, which started at noon at 7 a.m. And then I was able to maybe sleep for an hour. And then go down there, get prepped and all ready. Um, basically, stay in costume and stand there for almost two hours before we go on. Mm-hmm. Do the do the prelim run, and then that's finished at I would say late afternoon slash evening. You're like working in like right there where it's like four, like three, four o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, my prerogative, of course, like I wanted to go do like the junior pizza party thing. So I went like was there for about 45 minutes and then found out that I had made finals. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, well, I have to I have to go get my makeup redone now. Right. So then I went, redid my makeup and um, eat. Like a little something. Right. <laughs> and then go down there. Um, and then there was all of this technology glitch with Jordan and Todd's presentation. Right. So we ended up starting 45 minutes late. Yeah. And that's 1045. Mm-hmm. You know, and already starting this at 10 p.m. is a lot. Mm-hmm. From when you have people that... You know, I mean, yes, we can take power naps here and there, but it's still just a toll to do that routine at, you know, midday, more or less. Go, reset, cross your fingers, see if you have to get back into that same mindset or not. Find out you do, and then it feels like you're scrambling to then get to that final. So it's like, I think that that's why some people were tired. And also, not on top of that, some of those couples are dealing with jet lag. Yeah, that's true. 
you know, and you're asking for two performances in the same day mm-hmm. after also probably doing like three or like two or three runs in floor trials. Right. So it's like, it's just, it's a lot and not, not making excuses for people because people showed up mm-hmm. and they were rewarded for it. Right. Other people struggled and they weren't. That's just how the game goes. But it's just, it's, it was, it was a day. Yeah, it was a day. A long day. It was a very long day. Yeah. So I think that possible, um, like for seeing mistakes or, or just seeing like the performances kind of be vanilla is people were tired. Yeah. People were tired and, you know, other people probably just tapped in to the adrenaline or, um, you know, got, got the much needed sleep that probably most of us needed. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's just, that's, that's sort of the thing is, um, I think people were tired because that's a really late time to dance. And that's, I think only the second latest I've, I've danced in classic. Yeah. It was a long period. And like you said, it was a long time to be standing around. Yeah. And it's just, it's like the anticipation. It's like, okay, are we going, are we going, are we going to go? Okay. Now we're going, Oh, the video is not working again. Oh, the video is, Oh, ah, it's out of sync. And Okay. So when are we going to go? When are we going to go? And then we finally end up going and that, yeah. Yeah. I get that. Um, I mean, there was still stunning performances out there. Um, Absolutely. I thought it was great to see uh, Hannah Clunch back out on the floor again. 100%. (laughs) I was so happy for her because I feel like take this with a grain of salt because, but it's like one of the biggest things was just anxiety of performing mm-hmm. was, um, was a big thing of, I think why she took a step back. So like I said, I'm not speaking for her, but I, I believe with our talks that that's, that was one of the main reasons why, and for her to come back and be able to, you know, you know, get that placement mm-hmm. and have a, have a, have great, two runs and uh i was so happy for her i was so happy that was one of the runs i thought was better in finals actually yeah yeah i i unfortunately was behind the curtain (laughs) when that (laughs) when that one was going on but um but i i i wasn't able to compare because i i only um watched all the finals after after everything finished, mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't gone back to watch prelims yet. But uh, but yeah, they, I mean they had a solid run again. Another another couple that showed up right. that that was able to deal with the anxiety and the the exhaustion and everything and, and make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, despite maybe what you say is their concerns about the swing content, um, Jakub and Emmeline put on a beautiful performance both times and um, yep. Not gonna lie, much to my surprise, a lot of swing content. <laughs> I mean, they still got an SV one, but um, it, I, as soon as they started dancing, I was like, "Hey!" Like right off the bat, this, it was a well, big improvement. And that's the thing is, like, I heard that they were gonna like scratch like a month or a month <sighs> and a half before because they because they they got so much flack for their sweater routine. 
Well, which was their previous routine. Right. And I mean, I'll admit I was one of the people who said there wasn't a lot of swing, but it was still a beautiful routine. <laughs> like, Agreed. It was still stunning I th- dancing. I, th- I think I think that that was when everyone was talking about it, that was their thing. It's like, that is beautiful movement. It just is not a lot of swing. Right. And I feel with like this new system being integrated, it's sort of in the in gelling with the same thing that I was sort of saying is like, I now have to think creatively within like swing, right? So like they had to think of how do we match our movement into mm-hmm. like more of the mold that is in the rule says swing. Mm-hmm. And I feel like for them, that is probably the, the arguably <laughs> the most swing that they've done for their routines. And it's, I think because of the system and how it was implemented and they were like, well, shit, well, um, we got to do the thing. Right. But they did it so well. It was so, so beautiful. Well. <laughs> I, and, and the thing is too, is like, I was lucky enough to, uh, to like I said, uh, watch it in, in, in France and like, they they were able to do it on a really rickety floor and mm-hmm. still have it be super amazing. Yeah. And I think that they showed up even more at the open. Like they were they were sort of there. They were like, you know, going through the thing. I think just like getting more of performances under their belt and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. And um but at the open it was just like everything felt like it 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 looked like it clicked. Yeah. For them. And I was very happy, very happy for them. Yeah, that was great. Um, Semyon and Maria, I wanted to touch upon because mm-hmm. I personally like their dancing. Um, I, re- I really like their evolution and I like the, for the most part, the, the routines they put on the floor. Um, mm-hmm. And this one, I, I started watching. Um, I mean, they did it in prelims and mm-hmm. um I love the song choice, like a slower, jazzier number, which yeah. I don't think they've done before. Um, and it was this yeah, beautiful, so. slow, bluesy, jazzy piece. Um, and their dancing was great. I like the choreography. I have to say, I was I was a little taken aback by the song change so late in the choreography. And And somebody I was watching with said, well, you know, don't people sometimes change songs and i feel like mm-hmm. they do but usually it's earlier so like if you do a slow song in and then switch to a fast the slow song is maybe like 45 seconds to a minute as kind of like an intro or a warm-up right to something faster and then the faster is, is longer yeah and it'll usually be like a minute 30 something or whatever yeah and here yeah. i felt like it was we were like a good two-thirds of the way <laughs> to the routine when they mm-hmm. switched and you know it was it was good dancing um i was just kind of taken aback by the the change yeah i i was sort of just like i was like oh, oh that okay <laughs> right like you know, that like that was the thing it's just like okay like i could i could see it both ways um it's kind of like not to make it about me again, <laughs> but like, I'm just like trying to relate in my own head. Sure. And that's sort of how I process things. It's like when Kelly told me about my routine is, is like, you can either take it cabaret or take it swing. And mm-hmm. you guys took it swing. 
Like there was you. So like, I feel like with this choice with Simeon and Maria, it's like either you could finish and have it be a nice sort of routine through, or you have an exciting ending. Right. And you, and you would have to switch songs for that. And well, that's, that's they, the thing I wonder though, because I felt like what they were presenting was, uh, had a lot of emotion to it. I was bought into it personally. I think that's why mm-hmm. the second part was jarring for me was because I was bought into the story and the narrative they were putting out on the floor. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, I want to see where it's going. <laughs> and then it went somewhere very, very different. Yeah. But it also it raised conversation among the people I was watching with about yeah, how does music choice factor into judging? Because the fact of the matter is, is that yeah. it it doesn't or shouldn't, right? Like, even if I don't like the song, I still have to judge the dance on what it is. Right. Um, the only place I could see something, a, a, a place where I could see a switch in song or a choice in song affecting score would be in the the broader artistry or choreography um, score and that I could say, well, you know, choreography choreography should tell a consistent or cohesive story. And maybe right. this wasn't cohesive, but you know, it was still good dancing, great performance. Yeah. Um, yep. It just took me by surprise. Whereas um, I watched like Tony and Larissa uh, and yeah. I've been loving their routines more and more. And this one was just, not only do I love the routine, but they, I thought they had a great performance of it in both prelims and finals. Um, oh, and that's yeah. like a consistent, you know, it's Ella and Louie, which are two of my favorites. So I was sold already. Um, but that's like similar to Semi and Maria. It's a slower uh-huh. song, but they, but they kept it consistent throughout. Right. And, and I think it was like, um, it was, it was just, it was interesting. I wasn't really, um, maybe I wasn't taken aback as much as, uh, possibly you were in, in, in that, um, in Simeon Maria's, but mm-hmm. it was just, it was like, I was like, oh, okay. Like we're we're gonna go even even like taking the blue and then taking it in more even more bluesy right. with this song choice, and then um, and like you said, it was it was great dancing and and things like that. And but man, I have to say, being friends with Tony and Larissa, not saying I'm not friends with Simon and Maria, <laughs> but I'm just saying like like watching them because like Nicole and I choreographed their first routine, mm-hmm. and mind you. It was bad. We we didn't we, didn't, we, didn't, we we didn't do so hot, but like we like we they were. Um, it's been a, it's been so long. I think it was like almost six years ago now. Mm-hmm. But it was like I think it was like we wanted experience. They were in a pinch for money, so we were like, "Hey, let's do the thing." We did the thing. I cut the song. That sort of sitch. Um, they got a lot of coaching to change things around, which I am happy for. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, but this routine, I felt like watching them grow. I think this was a routine where we saw Tony a lot mm-hmm. in comparison to their last routines. Right. And it looked like they were just having a good time. Yes. It was, I, I was bought into it cause I feel like you can, you can do certain routines in that regard where it's like, oh, I'm going to be classic, like Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers kind of feel right. of of that. Um, or you can 
it, like you know putting on that sort of face or character but like it looked like like i feel like there was at least three or four times where i saw larissa genuinely laughing mm-hmm. while they were running through the routine yeah and that was just amazing to see yeah and i think the song choice played a role in that um i in my experience and maybe you disagree with this but i feel like when songs are sung by a female artist it tends to showcase the follower more mm-hmm um, and when it's a man, it tends to showcase the leader more, again, assuming t- traditional gender roles. Um, right. And what I loved about this song, and I think part of the reason it showed off Tony, well, one was that they Larissa deliberately wanted to show off Tony a little more. Um, yeah. So they, they did that. But I felt like the song, because it is Ella and Louis um, going back mm-hmm. and forth in a partnership between a man and a woman, it worked really well to showcase both of them and the dynamic they had together. And I saw that joy too, um, you know, in their dance, like them, them enjoying the moment. Yeah. One of the things I think Mm -hmm. they're really good about, um, and I think generally competitors are better about, uh, but that I enjoy a lot is when they enjoy each other more than they look for the audience. Yes. Like, and I think we talked about this when you were on the show, uh, in Bridgetown, like I I can't stand mugging. And, um, (laughs) this was a routine though, where, Instead of the couple bringing the show to the audience, mm-hmm. they were enjoying themselves so much that the audience goes to them. Yep. Like I was just so drawn into their dance. Did they acknowledge us? Yes. But I was so drawn to Larissa and Tony having a good time dancing. Yeah. No, 100%. Like my mom even told me the other day, um, you know, when she was out and about, like she started humming their song. My mom has only gone this year to Swingtacular mm-hmm. and the Open. That's it. And she's at the Open only for Saturday. And she's just like, uh, just the, just humming the entire song. And she couldn't get it out of her head. Yeah. I think it was, it was just like that. I don't know. It felt, had that feel good. Yeah. Feel good to it. And I had the same um, feeling. I mean, different energy. But with Jake and Mackenzie, I think they do mm-hmm. like that song, the whole flirtatious thing that they had going on throughout the routine. Um, yeah, I just thought they played it so well. It wasn't obnoxious. It was fun. <laughs> it was enjoyable to watch. Um, 100%. You know, creating that dynamic between the partners. Um, and they're not alone. I mean, you know, again, Yakub and Emeline have a, a great dynamic yep. together. Tons of, of partnerships out there that do that. But it is something that I, I personally really enjoy watching. Yeah. I'm, I, no, I was, I was definitely a fan of the classic division. Don't get me wrong. Like, I I loved every single one of those routines. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just I feel like it's um like the level cap is um there's less of a there's less of a gap between levels. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was showcased here especially in and in, in classic because we unfortunately had, you know, a few couples mess up that were arguable contenders like like you know like sean and court um Mm -hmm. messing up and you know it's unfortunate but it's like you see that that like i I watched back the video and i was like it was like a second and a half right it was just like that much it was so so little and it and it dropped them yeah because because 
it was just so heartbreaking heartbreaking to see yeah absolutely when they um when they chose to do the same routine mm-hmm. um i was watching with other people and I'm like didn't they do that routine already why are they doing the same routine and i was like if you have seen that routine at boogie or swing mm-hmm. diego or or any of the number of times in between they were freaking killing it like it is a killer routine and their performance yeah. is stunning and so I was very excited. I mean, I also know Sean and Courtney personally. So there's, you know, I'm like invested. I'm like, ooh, I think this could be a showstopper. And, right. you know, yeah, they had a glitch. And like you said, it wasn't even a big glitch. But because there were so many great performances. Yeah. It's like any any little crack in that glass and you're out you're of out. running. Exactly. Um, and that's what so, sucks so much because they still put on a great performance. But 100%. all you have to have is a couple of glitches and that's you're not going to place. So, yeah. Yeah, it was really, I, my, yeah, it, it was heartbreaking. I think that's a good way to watch it. And again, it's not like they did a bad job. It was just knowing that they weren't going to get rewarded for, you know, if they had done the same performance at the Open that they did at Boogie, like, easily placed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's, it's just hard to watch that. Um, by the way, one other thing that, I might get some flack for saying this, um, mm-hmm. but I, I feel like I, I'm, I'm not being honest if I don't mention it. Um, Do it. <laughs> it was a great routine. Um, I thought it was beautiful. I always think their dancing is beautiful. Hugo and Stacy. Mm-hmm. Um, her choice of costume definitely raised some eyebrows. <laughs> yes. Um, and she came out in the prelims, and I was like, oh, okay, we're going vintage, like, pinup girl kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And then she came out in finals, and, um, yeah, uh, wearing, like, 50s lingerie was an interesting costume choice. With the garters, no less. I, <laughs> it, it, it was interesting. And for me, what was interesting for me is the fact of breaking up the leg line. Yeah, that's true. That was, that's my, like, my, that's more my first thought was, I don't know, my fashionista brain was just like, you're just breaking up your break, your leg line. What are you doing? Because um, that was the thing for me is, um, it was a big discussion when I was growing up, you know, doing juniors. It's like, you either do sleeves or no sleeves. Like, there was no, like, three, you know, half sleeve. Right. There was no. And when I decided for one of my routines, um, to do like short sleeve, it wasn't where you broke up the um, the arm line like out at the elbow. Mm-hmm. I rolled it up purposely higher, so that way it looked more. You could see more of an arm line. Right. So like that was what was more or less like intriguing. I was like, because now all I'm paying attention to is like the the costume right for me because i was like oh that's an interesting choice it's break it's breaking up things and then now i'm thinking about that and then i'm like okay half the routine's done now well and that's again it's kind of the same way i was talking about um how music factors in i think what was interesting about her costume was that it raised a discussion among the group of how do you factor in costumes because again unless the costume detracts from the dancing 
Mm-hmm. I don't feel like they should be penalized for it. You know, it may not be my taste to see somebody in lingerie out on right. the dance floor, but if it's at the same time, if it's distracting, um, even though I may not want to like knock them for it, like you said, I may be like just distracted in my, my judging or scoring. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if anybody thought it was inappropriate. I mean, she was covered, so I don't think so. Um, they did have I, a yeah, few low scores so. and I, I mean, their dancing was great. I don't know if, you know, costume um, choice had anything to do with it, but I hope it didn't. I hope it didn't either. Cause that's, that sh- that I feel like, well, it was interesting not to make it about me again, but, um, <laughs> so someone commented on, uh, Chantal and I's video saying, um, I don't know if it's a person in the swing community or not, or some random person. I'm assuming it's someone that probably knows um, the community because they basically said the costumes in this routine should have meant an immediate disqualification. Why? I don't know. And I am not one to get in an argument on the internet. (laughs) (laughs) Smart man. So, So I was just like, I was like, because for me too it's like i specifically because when i got my costume not to take away but it's like costume stuff right mm-hmm. my my right nipple was showing because of the sheer in the original costume and mm-hmm. i added these straps to my right shoulder and then around my back right to cover it and i also like wore pasty just because i'm a i'm a male shouldn't mean that I shouldn't cover up my nip. Right. I feel like, so I was like, that's that was my worry on that thing. But it's just like, after doing that, I don't, I don't know of any issue with my costume that would consider a disqualification. Yeah. You usually the only time that I found that costumes, um, are taken into account is when it's in young adult or young America. Right. That's when it's like, okay, is this appropriate for the age? Mm-hmm. Like, is the shirt cut too low? Is it too sheer? That sort of thing. Right. So, but I thought, you know, whatever choice that Hugo and Stacy made, like it's, that's their prerogative. Yeah. And, and the routine I was, think still it was great. totally fine. And yeah. it was awesome. Right. Well, I just thought the the dancing overall was great. Um, like you said, there was a lot of diversity in the dancing, mm-hmm. and um, I love that there was uh, every kind of genre, <laughs> really. Um, like between yeah. your kind of routine that was like this darker, edgier thing. Um, you know, Jacob mm-hmm. McKenzie did a spin on pop. Gary and Susan did a, a tango, like there was a bandion playing, I guess. Um, yeah, and then you had three different swing songs right tony and tony and larisa philippe and hannah um sam and maria kind of did a jazzy thing um hugo and stacy did hugo and Stacey, an old time yeah. swing song so um yeah it was just really cool that first of all there was more swing music um and mm-hmm. also just every shape and color of music and genre yeah and um and also you have like ben and cameo with their like indie Mm-hmm. sort of folky yeah kind of vibe as well which i mean it still has that i don't know that, that same old like feel 
sort of situation with the guitar and everything. Right. Sean yeah. and Courtney doing blues. Blues, um, yep. Jesse and Lanny did a jazzy number, but it was also like yep. modern, contemporary. So Yakub yeah. and Emmeline did a folksy kind of song. Yep. Um, so yeah, it was just really cool. Lots of suspenders. There were lots of suspenders. So many suspenders. I even I even made a joke after seeing the Westy meme on it, where it was like, <laughs> um, um, and <laughs> my girlfriend's the one that, that I think submitted that, where it's it's the um, the meme of the anime character with the butterfly. I don't think I've seen that one. Uh well, so like, it, and it, anyways, the um, it's like. Uh, what like something like what swing content is or something, and then it's like uh, suspenders <laughs> or something like that. You have to look it up, but it, it was it was properly funny. But it's like there was so many suspenders. Yeah, it, it just kind of cracks me up because I'm pretty sure most couples keep their their costumes and yeah! routine secret, and so it just so happened that everybody happened to choose suspenders this year. But you know, I guess there are fashion trends that come and go. Yeah. Um, yeah, fashioners so. do. Yeah, one hundred percent. But I was, I was <laughs> like, man, more suspenders, more suspenders, more suspenders. Right. Um, the other thing I wanted to point out because we were talking about different genres, um, and you mentioned mm-hmm. shag, and there was a shag couple in the Rising Star Classic, um, and they placed. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know yeah. the couple before, but I thought that was really cool to see because, like you said, we don't see shag very often anymore. Um, yeah. So that was pretty cool. And I thought Rising Star was an impressive bunch. Um, Rising Star was awesome. Yeah. I really, divisions. really enjoyed it. And I was glad they separated out Showcase and Classic. I thought that was the right move. Yes. That was such the right move. Like, even though Showcase was only the five couples that it was, mm-hmm. like, it, it, it needed to be done. Yeah. It needed to be done. And, like... There, uh, it was like I think this one like warrior routine and showcase. Like I complimented them afterwards, but like their lifts were insane. Yeah, like like he like lifted her up with one hand. Yep, and she was just like on like sprawled out on her back, (laughs) and it was and it was just so quick. I was like, what the? Uh, I was I was blown away by that. Yeah, and I think all like similarly too. It's like I feel like. Rising Star is more or less, not to take away from the juniors, but it's like the new juniors, if that makes sense. Because mm-hmm. I felt like back when 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 I was in juniors, you had like Tori and Brenner, like Roman Chevy, the Ellingtons, mm-hmm. you know, um, Hannah, Victoria, Cameron, myself. You know, you had all of these people that are now all star or champion. Right. And like that was their training grounds was mm-hmm. juniors, and now I feel like people's training grounds have sort of shifted into Rising Star, which I'm I'm happy with because now it's more people doing routines versus just um, a lot of people, you know, a lot of the same people doing routines. Granted, I don't get bored watching them, but it's really nice seeing the community grow and as far as routines because it was a big part of my upbringing in this dance and it's just a joy for me and seeing other people find joy in it and doing it is just awesome yeah it, it was very cool i i do wonder if 
it seemed to me, and maybe it's because they combined the division, it seemed like there were a few more rising star couples last year. But I wonder mm-hmm. if that's because some of those rising star couples, I think, moved into classic. Yes. Um, yes. Uh, there, I think classic and showcase. Yes. Yeah, and both. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, if I'm, I think it was close to like, it was almost at 30 or, or, or was 30 last year. And I think in, as a combined, there was 20. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there were definitely all-star couples in like classic prelims or showcase um, mm-hmm. people who had mm-hmm. previously been in rising star. So anyway, that was, it's cool to see people, like you said, use that as a training ground and then move up. Um, yeah. We we kind of talked about the swing content scoring a bit, but I'm wondering if there there was any kind of scoring or placements that surprised you this year. Ooh, that is a that is a good question. Um, I mean, no matter how you spin it, as far as the top five of, let's just say like the heavy hitter divisions, like no matter how you put it, like showcase classic i feel like you can kind of see how they were placed out mm-hmm. um i i i talked about this um with a few people at um at tap where i was like who was your like personal top five and i think i did um gary and susan um. Oh gosh, I, can't, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't remember because I had the list in front of me, but I definitely had Gary and Susan first. Like that was no question. Mm-hmm. I basically like maybe shifted around like two or three people, and then I um, I think I put Tony and Larissa in the money. Mm-hmm. I, I thought and they would have placed this year. Actually, I I was I was actually um surprised that they didn't Mm -hmm. but um but yeah it was just like i was like the top five was pretty much my top five yeah what i found interesting about the scores i i didn't find any big surprises other than kind of the the few we talked about around swing violations but um what i find interesting is that and this isn't necessarily a bad thing but Mm -hmm. all of the judges went through the same training this year they had to if they Mm -hmm. were going to be a judge at the open and yet right. there was a lot of disagreement among the judges. <laughs> like in yeah. some cases, yeah, there was consistency, but I still felt like there were certain judges who it's almost like they didn't even see the same routine. Um, so I'm yeah. curious to know what, how the training prepared judges and for judges whose scores deviated from the group. And again, I, I'm not personally, I am not somebody who advocates for everybody having the same score. Um, I agree. Like it's not about conformity. It's about being able to justify your score. But my understanding about the judges training was that it was to get alignment among the judges of what they were looking at, how they were looking at it. And maybe even to some extent about how they prioritize it. Maybe not. And maybe that was the difference. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I was surprised to see that there were, in some cases, wide variety among scores, despite yeah. a judge's training. So that's just one. Because yeah, no, that jogged that jogged my memory. Because uh, I think there was one judge in classic, 
where it was like, okay. Yep. That the okay. You <laughs> went way different. Like way different. Like and I think what we're talking about here is like we're not talking about like three, four placements. Like we're talking the difference of like nine to eleven placements different. Yes. Than the majority. Yes. Of the judges there. Um, and it's a, a amazing legend of Swing who was judging, uh, you know, whose score was different. So it's not like we can say, like, they don't know what they're talking about. Um, right. I will say that I noticed a pattern among that judges' scores that tended to favor songs, musical choices that were more Swing. Agreed. Not, not Which... in every case, but in most cases, there's a... A trend towards there is there is yeah there is an average that I that I too noticed which also it too could be coincidence yeah because I think a lot of people did songs even though they are different genres in that vibe Mm -hmm. if we were to call it a vibe even though ironically my song is swung (laughs) yes but it's not swing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody would classify that as swing music, even though it is No, swung. it is not swing right. music by any means. It does have a swung rhythm, though. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, 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 yeah, no, I, I, I do agree with, with, like, there there was a pattern. There was a pattern, definitely, that you could see if, if you looked a little bit closer in the details. Yeah. Well... Um, just a couple of other quick things I, I wanted to mention. Um, yeah. First was Jordan and Tatiana's induction into the Walk of Legends. Um, yes. Video uh, technical difficulties aside, um, I thought mm-hmm. it was a nice tribute. Um, I'm pretty sure God and Jordan is hashtagging now. Um, oh my god! <laughs> so so we were talking about that. So that, um, I didn't end up doing it, but we were all joking back in the. Um, like green room that all of us after for our global dance interviews, mm-hmm. we're going to thank God and Jordan. Yes. And many of you every did. single one of us, we're going to, we're going to go do that. Um, but yeah, several, several I, of you I, did in the interviews. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing was too, is like, I, um, I didn't like, I knew that, um, because of our bobble that, like I knew that I was okay. I just wanted to be mindful of Chantel that if she needed to go have space or whatever, that I was like, let's just, let's just not do the thing. And we were, and we walked off. Right. But it was just like, um, yeah, but every single one of us wanted to think <laughs> we were going to thank God and Jordan. Well, and I, I, on the one hand, it was it was funny. On the other hand, I'm like, but that was such a sweet thing that Tatiana did. Yes, and I don't want no, people it was to like super. It was super sweet. I think it was. I think it was just the delivery. I guess I think so. the delivery of just having it be that so back to back. Yeah, um, but it came from a very sincere, so sincere. I mean, you place. could. See, I mean, you could see the emotion, and she's been through the ringer with this this person yeah. you know and they've been through thick and thin and have conquered essentially the world mm-hmm. and you know i told her i'll told her after they were inducted i was like i was like 
This one is extremely deserved. Yes. Extremely okay. deserved. Almost makes me wonder why it took so long. <laughs> Kinda. But I guess they only retired about four years ago, so. True. Has it really? It's, it's yeah, been wasn't four it, years? Wasn't it 2015 was their last one? Then they did a couple of show pieces. That's right. That's yeah. right. It was 2015. Hot. Hot damn. <laughs> Hot damn. Um, speaking of interviews. Yes. I know I talked about this last year. I don't want to harp on it, but I really wish Ellie B would just do a little more prep. Or, or I think this is a great idea. I think we should get her really drunk and then have her do the interviews so that if she doesn't know somebody's name or doesn't know what to ask them, it's like intentionally funny. Fair. I think we should make a game out of it, like drunk history, but drunk interviews. Drunk? <laughs> drunk? <laughs> We're like, you guys were so awesome. What's your names? <laughs> <laughs> I just think it would be really great. Like, I, I appreciate yeah. the interviews. And look, it's yeah. not like all of them were bad. I like some of the questions she asked. But I, I got to say, it's um, I, I think with just a little more preparation, she can kick it up a notch. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, too, is like, I feel like if you make... Um, like regardless of her performance this year or past years, it's like, if you make the interview a fun and enjoyable, non-awkward experience, mm -hmm. every couple will go over and hang out with you. Yeah. But if it's, if it's even the slightest where it feels, it feels TV, it feels Hollywood. Mm -hmm. I think that's when most people, like you're going to lose a pe few people. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's, that's part of it. I, I do think it's a nice idea. You know, somebody was saying, we'll just do away with the interviews. I think it's great because there's so many people watching on the live stream. Right. And like when the contest is over. I mean, I don't know. I always enjoy, I watch tennis. And when I watch like a Grand Slam and they interview the player afterwards, like I really enjoy that. You know, same reason I wanted to sit down and talk with you. Like I want to hear about your experience. Um, right. I think that's really cool. So I think they should should keep it. But um, yeah, it's it, it's it's what it's leading to is now I'm just, I'm tempted to make a drinking game for next year that involves the interview piece. <laughs> well, I mean, I know that like we have one for the open. Yeah. Like where it's like, if you reach out or if you do multiple spins or if you roll on the floor, <laughs> right. Or anytime yeah. Royston says it's funny. You know, Cause it's true. Right. Um, things like that. So I think yeah. we should just roll the interviews into all of that. Um, I guess the last uh, awkward thing I'll bring up, which which is really funny because I uh, I was away for Thanksgiving, so I didn't watch Showcase. Mm -hmm. I was on, in New York, and I got home on Saturday, and then I started watching. And Saturday night and Saturday morning, I woke up to a few different messages from different friends about the choice to sing God Bless uh, the USA Instead Not to be mistaken of, with God Bless America. Right. Yes. Because um, a few of us of, got that wrong over the weekend. Yeah, somebody wrote to me and said they they decided to say God Bless America. And I was like, okay, well, I guess that's like, you know, part of the American songbook. But uh, yeah, instead of doing the national anthem. Anthem, yeah. Uh, yeah, I just, 
I was like, but but why? Like, wh- why did why I, did they change it up? I I I really don't know <laughs> why they would. Here's the thing: is if you wanted to include everyone, possibly don't choose a song that screams like America, or don't pick a song that probably most I don't know that song. I, I unless mean, you listen I, to country music. I mean, I I know it from just like a few, a literally a few listens that I could count on one hand. Oh yeah, I mean, I've heard it before, but I wouldn't say I know it. I don't know it. I only know like the uh, the chorus. I was like, you know, I'm proud to be an American. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure right? that's how you have to sing it. Yes, that is that is. <laughs> but it's just like I feel like it's so interesting when you're celebrating. Like if you, I think. Um, it, it, when you're trying to celebrate all of these countries and all of these people from all over America and the Americas coming together at the open, and then you sing something that's not the national anthem, so it's not as formal, mm-hmm. right? You see something less formal that screams like American pride and that sort of thing. And especially like lines where at least I know who I'm free, <laughs> and I'm proud. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. It was anyway. um, yeah. Well, and on top of that, um, you mentioned this before we started recording that it was kind of like karaoke style, like follow the bouncing ball. And, yeah, uh, like and they then... had the lyrics on the screen, <laughs> uh, which is good because again, I know I didn't know that song. Um, and so what was, was weird too is like they had an actual vocal on the backing track. Right. And then had Phil, Nick and Bella, all good singers, but not singing together over a song with vocals. With vocals already. (laughs) Oh, and, and not to mention the person that was doing the vocals on the track was doing, of course, their own interpretation because they're an artist. Right they're doing a different syncopated rhythm within the song that is not the classic like recording right as well so when you when you have all of those combinations it is going to be awkward and it's not going to probably go over well <laughs> it was um i i finally got around to watching the live stream of it and yeah it was um it was strange i mean robert up front tried to explain why they were just doing something different but i was still i was still uh befuddled by the choice i Uh, feel like you would have chosen like we are the world so you're right so other song choices if you're going to do something that you want to i don't know be more inclusive or more thematic we are the world is an easy choice because you are an international event now um even doing America the Beautiful because at least the Brits know the melody. Yeah. It's not the same words, but you know, God save the Queen. Um, the Canadians probably know it too. Uh, yeah. yeah. Or, you know, it's a small world after all. I feel like most people have been to Disney World. Honestly, that would like <laughs> that might have been like laughed at in the moment, but it probably would have been better. More people would I'm have been gonna, enjoy, involved in it. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. Like, it's just, I feel like 
I feel like when you when you tee it up to be like, let's, you know, we want to do something different. We want to, you know, do like, especially if you're going to do something different and you've already switched the name of the Open into the Open, right. not U.S. Open, right? You are now the Open. So it's not, even though it's on the U.S. soil, it doesn't mean that it is now just U.S. because of all of these countries. Right. And, like, even with the whole, you know, documentary coming out about, you know, Never Neverland, you know, with Michael Jackson and that mm-hmm. sort of thing, even though with, like, he, because he's the one, one of the main people behind We Are the World. Right. Like, I can understand. Okay. Maybe we won't, we don't want to catch that flack. Okay. Let's choose a different song. Honestly, like, you could do It's a Small World. And have it where it's literally at the end where you have all of the different languages harmonizing with each other. That would have been fine. And maybe do it for like a solid 30 seconds and then everyone would have it stuck in their head. And then Disney would get more money because people would want to go there. Which is fine because I have stuck in them. But um, I still don't understand. (laughs) Um, I mean, the acquisitions of Marvel and Lucasfilms, great for me. Um, But the... uh, yeah, I just, I guess I just don't understand the choice to not sing the national anthem because, and Robert even said this in his introduction that like, even at the Olympics where it is international, you still sing the anthem of the home country or like the hosting Correct. country. Um, so anyway, it, it was a little strange. Uh, I was curious if it was as strange being there as it was watching on it was really strange especially i think it would have been it would have been slightly different if we didn't all hold hands oh and the swaying yes if we didn't all hold hands and we didn't sway and we just sort of stood there yes it would have been awkward but i think it would have been less awkward because it was like hey guess what this is a whole bringing together thing like that was the theme right and then you do a song that's slightly outdated as far as you know being gender progressive um and that's and having us come together but then the song is kind of out of touch with 2019 it it was it was just it was an interesting situation and like people were like what if you just like cut together like all of the different countries and like made a melody out of it or something like I'm like that would be a big undertaking, and I would gladly do it. <laughs> I'm serious. We like have I would, the sound I'm just like, for it. like, because uh, yeah, I hope that they 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 switch it up next year. To if if they go back to the national anthem, cool. If they sing a different song, I hope that they choose something slightly more inclusive slash international. Or they could to, do it. Do they could do it like the Olympics and just do a, uh, you know, like have each of the countries kind of parade out and just play one song as as people walk with their country out onto the yeah. floor. You know, um, just as a welcome. That could work. Yeah. Anyway. So uh, yeah. Um. So to wrap up, because I know I've, I've mm-hmm. taken a lot of your time here. No worries. <laughs> um. What would you like to see at next year's Open? Or what are you excited to see next year? I honestly, I'm just excited to work again. Like that was like, that was the biggest thing. It's like after the Open and after experiencing it, I was just like, oh 
I, I hate that the next time I'm, it's possible for me to do my routine is capital. Mm. I'm like, I, I essentially effectively have two months off. Yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> um, but, but that's the thing. It's like when, but for, for the open, I would love to see less scared artists. Mm. I would love to see a um, if they are going to implement a different type of, you know, how they're going to crack down on swing content or like maybe changing the showcase SV situation. Right. That they do it January, February. Yeah. That they don't wait. They don't wait too long to where people are going to, because like, are. I'm I'm already going to probably be working on my routine in April. Mm-hmm. You know, end of March, April. So that way it can start, you know, making making changes and all that sort of thing um before October rolls around and if after the choreography process is done, then there's this new rule or new implementation of um, how you crack down on a current rule. Right. That's going to throw a monkey wrench. And then I feel like if you have a set system, artists can work in that set system. Right. I always, I, I always formulate it to like formula one because I'm a huge fan of formula one, formula one. They give the regulations two years in advance. Wow. So 2021 just got released this year and they're like, okay, these are going to be the car parameters. This is all the things that you have to do. And these are all the regulations cut, cut. Right. And then you have two years to train under those regulations. Right. And it's like, okay, we now have two years to develop a car that will be competitive on the world stage. Done deal. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, and, and the thing is, is like everyone's now able to perform well. And it's a little bit more of a level playing field. Right. Um, but the thing is, is like, I feel like if we kept this current implementation and didn't change it, it will be a better open next year because people now understand right. what is, what is happening. What like, okay. Everyone in classic apparently needs more swing. <laughs> yeah. Except for like a few, mm-hmm. um, you know, so obviously, okay, now as a competitor, you're like, okay, I maybe need to add in that little bit more swing or something like that. But I mean, as also we talked about, like for me, the difference between an SV1 and a swing warning that doesn't drop in placement is a whip mm-hmm. for me yeah. and my, and my current routine. So it's like, I just hope that to see next year at the open, as I would love to see because um, I felt like this open was a heavy, uh, everyone was heavily looking at swing content and that. And granted, we still saw amazing, beautiful, executed routines. I just would love for the talk behind the scenes to focus on the artistry of like, wow, that routine was really amazing because they did this, 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 and this, and their performance was just this. Whereas like, oh my gosh, like this routine was so good. Like, like, did you see how much swing content that they had 
that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I feel like it, it had that, like everything is revolving right now around the swing content discussion, which I feel like, yes, it is very important to have that discussion. Don't get me wrong, but I want the focus to be, I would love it to be about the artistry of the dance within that swing content. Right. And I feel like now that all the competitors see, Oh yeah, we probably need to focus maybe five, six seconds, depending on the speed of the routine, more on swing content than we did this year. Right. So it's like, okay, now knowing that, I know what I need to do, and they can be creative within that space because now you've set the regulations. Right. There's a reference point. Yeah, absolutely. There's re- you know, and now, now I think next year, 2020, I think is going to be an even heavier hitter than 2019 with the skill cap and everyone being really, really close in that field. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been interesting since, um, you know, Jordan and Tatiana retired. Um, mm-hmm. Ben and Victoria weren't out there this year. Uh, you know, Kyle and Sarah haven't been out there because for a long time, again, I kind of equated with tennis where like currently the top four men in tennis have been the top four for years. Um, years and I felt that yeah. way for a long time. Like we knew who was going to be top five. Um, and it's been interesting the last couple of years seeing different people kind of moving up. Um, and like you said, there's a lot of good talent that's rising to the top. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I personally... I always look forward to the open one to see what all the conversation is going to be. Um, yeah. But I'm also every year surprised, amazed and delighted by what is put out on the floor. And I think for next year, I just hope to see the same amount of diversity that we saw this year. Yeah. Like I really, other than the suspenders, I can't really pin down any trends. And I, I think that's an awesome thing. That's such a good thing. Yeah. Um, I um, love seeing different music. I love seeing different styles. I love seeing all that this dance can be um, without mm-hmm. conforming to what people think it should be or what the latest trends are. And I think that was everyone's worry too with implementing this system mm-hmm. and the artists that dance this dance proved it wrong. Yeah. You know, the system is not going to demolish our artistry it'll you know it, it, it like of course any system has chinks in its armor but that's not the point i'm saying like i think everyone was like oh my gosh this is going to ruin the dance mm-hmm. this is going to ruin routines and you know look how it played out like we had so much diversity in the finals especially mm-hmm. like you know I think in prelims, I think people were biting their nails because they were thinking, oh, everyone's going to go with like the more classy swing pieces and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, and then you ended up having a more diverse final than maybe anticipated because of the, the swing content rules. But I agree with you completely. I hope it stays this diverse and doesn't follow, uh, a musical trend or stylistic trend yeah for next year and i agree i hope they the u.s open figures out um it kind of takes the time to look at how things went this year and continues to refine the system um to give competitors clearer parameters and guidelines and to help the judges 
you know, do their jobs as well as they can. So mm-hmm. we'll see what comes out in the next couple of weeks. I know WSTC has, has revised some of their prelim decisions, which is a whole other, another conversation for another time. Um, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the U.S. Open makes any changes to next year. Yeah. And until then, thanks so much for joining me. It's been great having you yes. here, uh, getting the chance to talk with you again. Yes, it was so much fun. I, I enjoyed both times. And uh, thanks for thanks for talking with me. It was it was so much fun to sort of I don't know debrief <laughs> on the open, yeah. if you will. I appreciate you doing that with me. It's weird for me to do that by myself. <laughs> um, yeah, and hopefully we'll have you back on again soon. Yeah, awesome. I will. I will. Whenever, whenever you like. Excellent. Thanks so much, Chris. Thank you. Many thanks to Chris for taking the time to chat with me about the Open. I really appreciate his perspective as both a competitor and as someone who has been in the game and been going to the Open for many years. He's got a great critical eye, but he also has a lot of love and sympathy for his fellow dancers, and I think that really came through in his commentary. I'm hoping he'll come back to sit down with me again in future episodes, and he was also a big help in working on the sound production for this episode, so... Thank you, Chris. What did you think of this year's Open? What did you like and what changes would you like to see considered for next year? What did you think of the new system of judging and how it impacted the scores? What did you think of the routines and what they say about the current and future state of our dance? Share your thoughts with me and your fellow listeners. You can post a comment on the website, you can respond to my posts on Facebook, or you can share your thoughts in our discussion group on Facebook. You can also email me at thenakedtruthwcs.com or through our Facebook page. To get the latest news, you can like our page on Facebook, subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, follow us on Instagram at thenakedtruthwcs, and that's right, it's a new year, new habit, new resolution. Go ahead, follow us on Twitter at NakedTruthWCS. I'll be back in January with all new episodes, so be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review on Facebook. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please rate us and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening. My name is Eric, and that's The Naked Truth. Like... My my difference was <laughs> there's my, a cat in the my cat is here. <laughs> why why are you here? No, I'm joining the show. No. Go 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 away. Go away. Thank you. <laughs> that was uh that was Belly. She's uh she's fourteen. <laughs> so and proud of it. Proud apparently. of it. Yeah, she's the one that always comes into my room. But anyways. <laughs>